0: This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast, Kenny Omega opens up about AEW's All Out Brawl Out and is he going to the WWE? Bailey sits down with Ariel Helwani and talks about her decision to turn heel and start the faction Damage Control. Sonya Deville gets caught slipping with a piece. As she is arrested on gun charges. And Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns meet face to face for the first time. And drop an all-timer with a God Mode promo on this past week's Smackdown. I'm your host Seth Grimes. And this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast. 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 <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's your boy Seth Grimes back here with another episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. Another dope ass episode for us to jump into this week. I'm excited. I'm excited. You can hear it in my voice—the excitement, the elevated levels. You know, you can really hear the glee, the anticipation. As we are ready to dive into another episode this week. It was a great week. A lot of fun stuff going on in the world of pro wrestling podcasts and shoot interviews. But I'm going to talk about something that I don't talk about too often here on the show. As a general rule, I make it a point to not talk about pro wrestling in the ring on this show this show is for the podcast this show is for the shoot interviews and that sort of thing but every once in a while something comes along that you just have to address as a wrestling fan you can't do a show about professional wrestling and just overlook the magic that can happen inside that ring sometimes and of course i'm talking about This past week's Smackdown episode saw one of the greatest promos in modern history. Shall I say all-timer? It's an all-timer for sure. It's a Hall of Fame level promo. Is it the best of all time? I kind of came away from it thinking it might actually be my favorite promo I've ever seen and I'm surprised to say that I've seen a lot of good shit and look this might just be recency bias hyperbole based on the overall first reactions of how amazing this was but in, in I don't talk about pro wrestling in the ring at this show I try to stick to the podcasts and the shoot interviews but this This was one of the greatest promos that I I was just so amazed when I watched this. Of course, the Roman Reigns-Cody Rhodes confrontation on SmackDown this week. The first face-to-face on the road to WrestleMania between these two. Man, I was just in fucking awe. Of this promo. Before I dive into my thoughts about it, go ahead and take a look at a small clip of this. Hopefully, YouTube doesn't uh, flag this one.
1: He used to tell me about these main events, about being the guy, being the face of the company, main eventing WrestleMania. He, he called it all before. My God. He was the best, he really was. Hey. You want to know what he used to always say about you?
0: Nothing. Again, to me, this was one of the greatest promos of all time. One of the best promos I've ever seen. Honestly, at least in the modern era, I cannot think of something that will stick with me like this promo did. And it was the littlest things. You know, you might like something that CM Punk has said recently or MJF or Seth freaking Rollins or whatever the fuck kind of stick man that you like. Whatever promos that you're into. The The way that this was masterfully delivered all the way from the very beginning. Where Cody, Cody challenges Roman and says, unless you need your boys to stay in the ring, you know, maybe we should have this conversation one on one unless you need to have these people around. It was so well done. It was beautiful. Roman consults, Heyman. Yeah, Solo's gotta leave too. Because Heyman's like, Solo should stay just in case. No, Solo leaves too. And the look on Solo's face the whole time during this promo, like he's just like, I'm going to fucking kill Cody Rhodes. All you got to do is say the word. Say the word. And I got the Samoan spike in his fucking neck. Ah! It was so good. And they get out of the ring all hesitant and they leave the ring, just Cody and Roman. And they look at each other. Roman says, Are you comfortable now? Oh my God. It, like every little thing you can't hear. Let me get more comfortable. You might not like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Lays the belts down. Man. And then he says, So what do you want to talk about? Roman Reigns was in God mode on this. This is not just a fucking. It's not just a slogan for a t-shirt, something fancy to say, you know, the tribal chief, God mode. No, Roman Reigns is in God mode right now. Watch this promo. I'm going to try to do, and I don't know how it's going to work out, but I I half-ass want to do a, like, a watch along, and I want to, like, break this down, like the anatomy of a promo. Not that I'm a fucking expert, but I want to pick out all the little things in this thing, because this was... The most brilliant piece of work I've seen in years. Roman Reigns fucking lays the belts down. What do you want to talk about? And then they get into the conversation. And these two just going back and forth. You know, Cody talking about how he's he's the guy that always climbs the hill, right? Like there's always insurmountable odds. And Roman is unbeatable to maybe everybody. But not Cody Rhodes. Because Cody Rhodes does what everybody thinks he cannot do. He does the impossible. Drops the 10,000 seat arena with his Indie Buddies reference. No reference to AEW. Fine. Whatever. Um, But Cody Rhodes, man, he kind of laid it out. He laid out his mission statement. And Roman fires back and he gets at him. Gets at him with the with the dusty roads talk. And this is, as you saw in that clip, this is where it gets fucking masterful. Not just does Roman like a normal guy, and not only that, it's the littlest things. That's why I want to do a watch long. I know I'm not doing it any justice here. This is just a gush session. So, uh, you know, if you don't want to hear me just gush about it and and kind of pontificate on the promo along the way, you can move along. Like I said, I will try to do like a watch along on it if YouTube permits. But even just the, the facial, both of the mannerisms on both sides, the little, the little uh, facial gestures that they do, the tones of voice, the pauses, the pregnant pauses, the way that they just hold the fucking crowd in the palm of their hands, and Roman's talking about Dusty. No, I'm not going to belittle Dusty. I have way too much respect for that man. He goes on to say, you know, he taught me so much, blah, 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 blah. We used to talk about everything, mostly about what's going on right now, I'm going to main event WrestleMania and all of that. But you know what we didn't talk about? Or you, you know what your dad used to say about you? Nothing. And just the way that Roman paused, and the way that he delivered that line. The only, the only criticism I have of this entire promo is Cody Rhodes. I thought Cody overacted it a little bit. Cody uh, likes to use the big words and sound all fucking, la la la. You know, with his, with his wording. They call that uh, it, where I come from in the writer background. They call that purple prose. Cody's promos are very purple at times, and I thought that held this back just a pinch, you know, because uh, when Cody came fired back, he was he he sounded like he was he he sounded like he was reading lines, you know what I mean? And I know Cody probably at least writes his own stuff or has a big hand in it um but roman was in god mode roman has truly tapped into the matrix he's neo in pro wrestling he is one with the matrix he's fucking flawless i've never ever ever thought i would say this about roman reigns in a million years i was one of those people who hated roman reigns because he's being shoved down our throats right like, for years, it was Roman wins, LOL. Roman goes to WrestleMania, LOL. You know, Vince laughing all the way to the bank. But Roman might be one of the best of our generation. The best of our generation, perhaps. His delivery was flawless. And then he's he points to the belts. He's like, have you ever held that one? No, no, you didn't. What about that one? You ever hold that one? No. Have you ever even challenged for one of these before? Like so belittling but like uh, and then the way he said after he said that we didn't talk about he didn't your dad didn't tell, ever say anything about you. The way that he he goes on, he's like, maybe Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins or Becky Lynch or something like that. I mean, you know, at least he didn't say it to me. Roman was fucking incredible. Fucking incredible. I was so giddy watching this promo. The delivery was, it was, uh, this was a master class on how to deliver a promo. I went into the comments to see what, I always get excited to see what other people have to say when stuff like this comes out. You know, like, uh, this was better than the Heyman Cody promo. This was, this was an iconic Hall of Fame level promo. When both of these guys go into the Hall of Fame, this is going to be on their highlight reels. This is, this is, this was a fucking epic piece of business that they did and the first the first face-to-face between a challenger and champion at wrestlemania is always so important and especially in this situation these guys never touched i mean maybe perhaps dashing cody rhodes mixed it up with the shield somewhere along the way but really or stardust or something but really cody rhodes and roman reigns to my knowledge, has never happened or at least certainly never happened in this uh, in the in the setting, you know, with these two in their primes of their careers. And this seems this had a magic to it. Like, remember back in the day when WrestleMania when the challenger was a new challenger and, and the champion was established and you just felt that this is big. You know, this is a big first-time confrontation, too, never before. It's important that that promo went as perfect as possible, and it could not have gone better. With the exception of Cody, just dumbing it down just a hair. You know, there was a part where Cody started to, so when you sent Paul Heyman to Raw, He wasn't there to get in my head. You weren't playing chess. He was there to speak the truth. Cody got a little whimsical there for a moment, but he brought it back around saying, you know, I can't survive unless I beat you at WrestleMania. Oh, fucking chills, right? This is the kind of shit that gets our dicks hard as professional wrestling fans. This is the shit that we live for. There's not a wrestling fan alive that can call themselves a wrestling fan that did not see this interaction on SmackDown and just fucking sit there in awe. I watched it twice. I want to watch it a third time and just record and react to it because I'm missing stuff. You know, I kind of hit the the high spots of the promo, but I'm missing things. And then the end, the handshake and the respect – you know, I saw somebody down in the comments like it, it was nice to see Roman didn't attack him or, you know, jump him or or whatever the case may be. Roman conveyed respect for Cody Rhodes here, if nothing else, through his dad, you know, as characters. You know, the character Roman Reigns has a respect for Cody Rhodes. He put his hand out and he meant it. It wasn't like a, you know, gotcha or... You know, anything shady, it was a, you know, I respect you, but I, you know, I'm going to beat you still. You know, I'm going to beat you, but I respect you. And uh, Cody shook his hand and I'm going to beat you. I need it. I have to. It's more than just completing a story now. Um, it was just this was just one of the greatest pieces of work I've seen in a long, long time. And it could be hyperbole to say it's my favorite of all time. I would never dare say it's the best of all time because that's certainly subjective and everybody's going to have different criteria for what's the best promo. And certainly, you know, pro wrestling covers so many years, so many great promos, so many epic promos that you could hardly say for certain that this was the best, but this might be my favorite. I think the pipe bomb was one before that. And you know, they're they're few and far between. I can't even think of many off the top of my head. Obviously the Austin 316 promo, stuff like that. You know, the rocks done some some fantastic work. Uh but at least in the modern era, I I, this will be this has to be one of the all-time great promos period. And uh, possibly the best of this era. If you have not watched the promo, i link the clip down in the description below. Hopefully YouTube doesn't give me shit about this. That will make me sad. Um, if, I, if I have to take the demonetized, that's fine because I'm not monetized yet. I'm still a newbie, so fuck them. Um, just as long as the video plays. But, my God. And like I said, I, I don't like to... I, this show was designed... Because every other podcast in the world talks about wrestling. And, uh, you know, I really wanted this to focus on the stuff outside of the ring. But, I just... I was so in awe watching this. It was so fucking magical. I had such, such goosebumps. Yeah, I'm, I'm a wrestling nerd. And this shit made my wrestling nerd dick... Pop up and wiggle a little bit. I mean, I'm not trying to disgust you. I'm simply telling you how it is. This uh, gives you that funny feeling in your pants. Makes you feel all good inside and warm. And uh, this was a very important promo, make no mistake, in building the hype between now and WrestleMania for Cody versus Roman. And I thought it did its job in spades. I thought anybody involved with this behind the scenes needs a goddamn fucking raise, a kudos, a fucking high five. Vince needs to come on down and give people hug and gorilla. Like, bravo on the fucking masterclass of a promo. But that's it. I'm, I'm done sucking off this promo enough. Uh, if I do end up doing like a little watch along. Type gimmick with it. I will uh, make that the end video, like for the recommended, you know, after this clip, you know, what should you watch next? I'll put it there if or when it is done. Depends on the time I got this weekend. And if YouTube likes this clip, you know, this is just a little clip. If I watch the whole promo, then, you know, YouTube might not really like that. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm very high on this promo and uh, it's. Uh, It's, you know, that goddamn good to me. But uh, what are your thoughts? Leave them down in the comments below. Am I over-exaggerating or was this fucking amazing, right? Fucking amazing. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Kenny Omega made an appearance on the Sessions podcast with Renee Paquette this week. Talking all things, AEW, New Japan, and a little bit of WWE too. Kenny Omega opened up with Renee. Renee's always good about getting the good questions out of people while keeping it in the context of just a friendly conversation. We're just we're just two buds talking here and just having a conversation. And oh boy, did Kenny Omega open up in this one? I did pull two clips from this episode here uh, but the first one i want to talk about is the first time i've heard kenny omega actually address the aew all-out brawl out situation or the aew all-out brawl out fallout if you want to be ridiculous about it um seems like kenny's kind of bound you know we heard ariel saying what legal what fucking legal Well, apparently there's got to be something because Kenny kind of hinted at that and he was a little bit tight lipped about it. But uh, without giving away any details or anything like that, Kenny was able to open up and at least express how he felt, how his little feelings were. Check out this clip
2: what was the last year ish like for you being out with injury, the stuff Mm -hmm. goes down at all out. You're away from TV for a while. What was that like for you kind of just being removed from everything? What were like the ups and downs of that? Mm. Answer how you want. We can cut what you need up to whatever you want.
3: No, I mean, I'll just be honest then. So I was happy that we were moving forward in a direction that didn't necessarily require me. I felt that now is a good time to get this stuff taken care of. And um, then I felt like eight months had passed and it was time to come back. And it was kind of like the GIF, you know, of the dude walking in with the pizza boxes and the whole rooms on fire yeah 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 yeah
2: yeah
3: and I didn't get it I was like what is why what's with this strange atmosphere mm. what's with this strange aura what why does something feel so ominous right now and I I didn't even know I couldn't figure it out and next you knew there was more stuff happening and I'm like how and again like it's 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 so surreal because it's almost like it never even happened. It's it happened, of course, it happened, but I wasn't even i I hadn't even gotten like familiar with my surroundings yet, or refamiliarized yeah. backstage with with the new AEW at that point. Because I mean, there are new people in the locker room, um, and a lot had happened in eight months. So to to kind of come back and see a lot of old faces and be like, oh hey, oh hey, but then feel this this eerie sort of you know to feel like I was in eerie Indiana for a second <laughs> I was like oh boy and then stranger things started happening where I was like oh man what do I do what is the this isn't right someone needs to be the voice of reason this is silly and it's just like Things fell off the rails, and we were just involved in a very silly situation that people are probably going to be talking about for for months and possibly years to come. Does that bother
2: you that people are going to be talking about that for so long and sort of like the question mark?
3: There was a point to it all when I felt like, oh, this just happens. We're going to get over it. Let's just calm down and talk it over. No, nothing is. We're all doing okay here you know this is we're getting it out of our system no problem but uh let's maybe stop you know um and uh just in in the end of things there there were uh it's just we just don't live in that world anymore i suppose yeah you you it's sometimes there there are things especially now when you when you're in a multi-million, billion dollar industry where there are sponsorships on the line, TV deals on the line. Um, it's, it's, it's not like, um, it, not it's the not the like- west anymore. Yeah. No, it's not. And, and, you know, it's not high school football. It's not, it's not, you know, a little tip that you might have with someone on your fellow amateur wrestling team or whatever, or maybe someone held a submission too long in, in jujitsu training. It's, it's not that, um, and these things just shouldn't even be happening. So, um, Again, super big shame.
0: He had to be talking about CM Punk, right? That change in the atmosphere in the locker room. He didn't outright say it, but that's the difference, right? <clears throat> when Punk came in, that's about the time that Kenny was going out with the injury. So to get his surgeries and to heal and take his time off like that. So they never really got a chance to cross paths and by the time kenny came back that very much was a different locker room and look there were other guys that came in too and and tony khan by all accounts had separated himself a little bit more from the boys kind of created that buffer layer with tony shivani and crew as his, his little talent relations team to kind of separate himself a little bit from the talent um, but it was very much all friends wrestling and now it's just become kind of a, a wrestling locker room. Look, they just had the, made a big deal about, um, <clears throat> Eddie Kingston leaving AEW. Who knows? I mean, it, it appears to be just storyline, a way to write him off of AEW and into Ring of Honor. But I mean, it very, very well could be based on real life you know, Eddie just going to Tony and being like, man, I, you know, I can't handle this locker room. Can I go to the Ring of Honor locker room or something? Who knows what happened behind the scenes? But there was definitely a change. Other people have talked about it as well. So Kenny's not wrong there. Um, and he says it's kind of gone back to normal now. And what's happened since Brawl Out that may have allowed things to calm down and go back to normal a little bit. <clears throat> Could it be that Punk's not there? Now, there's plenty of people that are on Punk's side and, and and say that Punk wasn't a cancer in the locker room. As Mark Henry said this week, that made the rounds. We're going to talk about that in a later clip, so not much on it there. But Punk has his supporters. It's not that Punk was just a cancer to the locker room. It's not like he was back there <clears throat> burning the place down. Um, But it seemed like people were more on pins and needles, more tense. um, Just was not the friendly family atmosphere that it once was when Kenny was there. And to be honest with you, it sounds like Kenny is a little disheartened with it. And uh, it might be time to bounce to the WWE. And uh, Renee did ask Kenny Omega about this on the show as well. And Kenny was even... Uh, less open about this one But uh, here's what he did have to say About going to WWE We'll play that, we'll address that And we'll kind of finish the whole clip up On the other side
2: We move on um, Try, okay. anyway. Try we, it anyway we're, sure. we're trying to yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm sort of talking out both sides of my mouth here Because at the beginning mm-hmm. of the uh, interview I was like there's no big headline things. Blah 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 Oh yeah
3: let's get the clickbait going Come on <laughs>
2: What? Should we talk about? Let's talk
3: about WWE or something. That'll no, do we it. We right? must.
2: Well, yeah. legitimately, I, there's rumors swirling. That's that Your uh, contract wait That's... is coming up. I, uh... Don't think I didn't notice your T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It did not fall on blind eyes. I do see the Sami Zayn T-shirt. Moving onward, your contract. What's what's the deal? <laughs> I don't
3: know. What what's the deal, right? Um... What's the
2: deal? Um, but That is, I mean, I feel like I see it everywhere. People yep. speculating, people wanting all these, you know, people want answers to things and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I would be remiss to not ask you, you can answer however you want. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, it seems like time is ticking down. I mean, as one of, again, you know, we can list off all of the things that you've done in AEW, all the things you've done throughout your career. What do you want the rest of your career to look like?
3: Wow. I don't feel like I have too many goals or aspirations of my own anymore. Um,
2: Is that funny thing to kind of sit with of like, I've done all the things I want to do, now what? It kind of just switches your mindset.
3: It it does, because I feel like, am I wasting my time here? Do I not even deserve my position if if I'm not looking for some sort of measure of success for myself? Like, am am I being ungrateful?
0: Yeah, he was playing a little coy there, um, but you know the Sami Zayn t-shirt. He knows what he's doing. You don't just wear. It. Now, granted, he was he explained on the show that him and Sami are boys. You know, they used to room together in J- Japan, I think, or whatever. But, uh, nonetheless, you know he knows that that's gonna get people talking and stuff and and there's rumors of his contract coming up, and you know Tony might have extended it due to the time off for injury. Um, but you know, there are rumors that WWE is heavily interested in Kenny Omega and after the whole brawl out thing, Kenny sounds like he's kind of disenchanted with AEW. He's disenchanted with the whole thing. It's different than he thought it would be now. And he also doesn't sound very happy being an EVP. That's something that the Bucks have kind of hinted at. Cody has said it. Uh, That it's more trouble than it's worth. That it's easier to just kind of go back to being one of the boys again. I don't know. They have separate contracts, too. So I don't know that uh, those are going to necessarily be re-signed by the Bucs or Kenny Omega when the time comes. And, you know, Britt Baker had said, and we're going to cover this in another clip as well, but Britt Baker had said this week that those guys – Are the foundation those guys the original locker room in AEW are AEW and they're a very tight knit group? And Punk did kind of come in and stir the pot a little bit, but he also did a shit ton of business. And just imagine now, if you will, if we could get all parties to get along, you know, the rumors have been buzzing about is Punk gonna come back again? Uh, you know, Punk's been in the gym. He's been working out. Rumors are that he's going to be ready to be cleared soon. He is still under contract. And, uh, you know, he said that he's going to wrestle again just to piss off a fan. He said that on Twitter to somebody. Uh, I'm going to do it just to piss you off. And then uh, somebody else had made a comment about we're ready to have Punk come back. And Punk replied to that guy with a LFG. Let's fucking go. Sounds like Punk's ready and open to it, <clears throat> even in AEW. Why not? Um, here's what you need to do. This is—I still go back and forth on this. If you ask me week to week, God, I—it's I, so hard. Should Punk come back? Is that going to be damaging to the AEW locker room again? Is that going to drive away the Bucks and Kenny Omega? Or some of the other top stars as well. God damn. But if you could do business with CM Punk. Here's what you do. Punk comes back. And he does an angle with the elite. And it builds to him. Versus Kenny Omega. At like all out or a double or nothing. Or one of those fucking things. And you build it for almost a year. You know half a year at least minimum. To Punk versus Omega one-on-one and the Bucks versus FTR three, the rubber match. And all in between, as you're building this up, you can do six mans. You can do Matt Jackson versus CM Punk, Nick Jackson versus CM Punk. Dax versus Kenny, Dax versus, you know what I mean? Like, you can really draw some money with a few. Just imagine, just fucking imagine the elites in the ring cutting a promo and CM Punk's music hits, or vice versa. Punk's music hits, he makes his big return to whatever reaction that's going to get. He's cutting his promo, and then the elite interrupts. Carry on, my way wayward son. <clears throat> didn't hurt your eardrums, did I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I offended your fucking eardrums. There'll be peace when you are gone. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more.
4: Dun, dun.
0: Dun, nah, 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 nah. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm fucking done. But imagine the money that you could draw if that story was told right, if everybody's willing to play ball for the money. Big main event spots, huge main event angles, real life behind the scenes realism bringing to the story it would draw so many fucking eyeballs it would be the base story since the bloodline could be possibly get some smart people in there (coughs) get everybody involved to tell that story the problem is punk ain't ever gonna apologize to anybody ever he's not gonna come back and be like he's not even gonna do the thing if, if i offended you i'm sorry he's just gonna say fuck off he'll apologize to people that he didn't mean to hurt. You know, if you pissed off off like a Britt Baker, for example, Punk would probably apologize to her, but he ain't going to go in there and be like, oh, I'm sorry, Kenny, I'm sorry, Nick, man. Gosh, darling, I I got heated. No, he's going to have the same fuck you attitude and he'll talk the same shit if you ask him about it again. At CM Punk, he'll never change. He'll never change. It's how he always was. That's why everybody hates him. Even Roman Reigns is on record somewhere this week. I don't fucking know. I saw that. He had a comment that he didn't like Punk, and he doesn't know anybody that does. (laughs) But FTR likes him, and that's why FTR and Punk versus the Elite just do a huge half-a-year program, at least, with those guys. And you just fucking, you can just print your money. Just print that shit. You know, it could be a pick Crowd can pick their heels. Whose side you got? You know, one's a face, one's a heel. But it's going to be depending on which side you take. Or you could do a clear, definitive baby face and heel. Either way. <clears throat> Hopefully, Kenny Omega doesn't leave AEW until they're able to do some kind of business like that. But we've heard that the elite's petty, and we've heard it more than once. And as much as they like to go around and play babyface with themselves and and say they're Christian AF and try to, oh, you know, Kenny was on this interview. Oh, we don't try to walk around like we're anything bigger than the boys, you know, and our doors are always open and anything we can do to help, blah, blah, blah. They play games. Dax has damn near outright said it. Corny has said it for Dax because he probably knows. And you can see it in the booking. When the booking completely doesn't make sense. When all roads lead to FTR being the belt collectors collecting every single championship in the entire fucking business in one monstrous run. And they're tied one for one with the Young Bucks. Building up to their biggest show of the year. Or one of the biggest. And then they just take a hard... Bucks are the tag team champions. It writes itself. Right? It, all roads lead to... it. Just the momentum's there. The belt collectors. The guys winning every belt in the world. Are coming back around to get those AEW titles again on their belt collecting run. In the rubber match. Tied at one apiece, it writes itself with the backstage, behind-the-scenes supposed beef. Makes all the sense in the world. Bucks take a hard right turn. Nope, we're trios champions now. Fuck off. We're going to drop the belts to the, to the acclaimed or something. It fucking Swerve and Keith Lee. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just, we're not, we're not going to do that match. That's, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to go play over here in the six-man. So doesn't make booking sense. That's I would have put my foot down as Tony Khan that that just I mean booking's not hard. You got to follow the momentum. Yeah, I mean you got to point people in the right direction, but do the thing, watch the crowd, book accordingly. Everything was leading to that. And you can still go back to that now. Like the momentum's dead. You know what I mean? By the time and that's why I predicted when uh FTR was going to face the acclaimed for the tag titles, they weren't going to win it because their high, their momentum was over. They've lost all their worldly titles, you know, literally all of them. They have no belts anymore, in uh, and, and in fact, it sounds like they haven't even heard back from AEW on if they're going to be brought back to the company at all. Ah, fucking hate Christ. Tony does bad business. He's he's all around. Uh, he's I, I, there's a lot of shit that makes me cringe there. I'm getting a little off topic. Just to wrap this up, there's tons of fucking business that can be done there. <clears throat> there's a huge built-in money-making, pay-per-view selling, ratings drawing, storyline angle to be told should CM Punk come back and... And just be willing to work with the elite. Don't need to apologize. Don't need to like the guy. Don't got to be friends. Can you have a wrestling match together? Can you speak about your grievances about each other over on live TV? Just here. Here's a microphone. Tell us what you think about the Young Bucks. Here's a microphone. Tell us what you really think about CM Punk. Stand back. Print the money. It's easy. But where I was getting at is the Elite's got a history of being petty and just fucking not wanting to play ball and and just walking away from money-making, built-in, makes-tons-of-sense storylines that even if Punk came back, I can imagine the Elite just saying, no, fuck them, not going to work with them. You know, we got Bret and Shawn that have worked with each other, and Punk idolizes Bret Hart. So if anybody can at least understand That you can make money with people you hate. And that people know you publicly hate. It's CM Punk. Um, But I don't know that the Elite would be down for that. But Are we going to get that? Or are we going to get the Elite? Or at least Kenny Omega moving on over. Making the big leap over to the WWE. Time will tell. I do think he's going to make that jump. That is actually my prediction. In a perfect world. I would love to see the... FTR versus elite, FTR, CM, FTR, whatever the fuck they call themselves, that trio versus the elite. Um, But what we're probably going to get is I bet you the entire, both the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are going to leave AEW for the WWE. They're going to try to be the radicals and make that jump. And uh, fuck, if they're able to bring Max over too, When his contract's up, AEW is going to be in a very rough place. Uh, But that's just my two cents on the whole thing. I know I've gone long-winded on it. This is a a continuing story that is just endlessly fascinating. I'm a huge CM Punk mark, and uh, this is a fun story. And I would like to see it play out in the ring. But who knows? Well, Dominic Mysterio's not the only person in WWE that's doing a hard time nowadays as Sonya Deville has been arrested. WWE superstar Sonya Deville arrested on gun possession charges in New Jersey, according to TMZ. Let's go ahead and pull this up here. Take a look at this. I don't know where they got that picture from. Wow, that looks like a fucking Indies or something. Arrested in gun possession charge. We'll get to the update in a minute. Arrested in New Jersey. Authorities say they found a firearm in her vehicle that they did not have a proper New Jersey permit. According to court documents, the incident happened on February 19th in Atlantic City. Uh, Sources tell us Val A. discovered the weapon in her car's glove box and called the cops. Police arrived on scene and arrested DeVille. Real name doesn't matter. Daria. Oh, she's a Daria. Daria Morgendorfer. Real name Daria Morgendorfer. Baronado. A short time later and court records show she's since been charged with one count of Unlawful weapons, possession, handgun without a permit. Um, she has a registered permit in Florida. This was after, uh, if you remember, a couple years ago, she had a home invasion break-in. And... Uh, Looks like here it says they do have an update here that was posted. Uh, The Atlantic City Police Department said in a statement Wednesday that the incident happened at a hotel, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Officers arrived on the scene, found Sonya Deville cooperative with security, and uh, claimed during the questioning she admitted to owning the gun and did provide them with that Florida permit. And uh, though it was not valid in New Jersey, cops said she was taken into custody without incident. Her lawyers are currently fighting this now. Lots to unpack here. Lots to unpack. First of all, I got more respect for Sonya Deville now (laughs) than I had. I never had a problem with Sonya, but she's always just kind of mad for me. You know what I mean? Neither here nor there. She gets a thumbs up in my book for this one. Packing a little heat. Fuck around and find out with Sonya Deville. I like it. Um she's I mean, it's justified. She had a fucking lunatic breaking her house that was gonna kill her. So she got herself a gun after that. And it's illegal. She's not even just it's not even just riding riding dirty, riding around, just fucking keeping it in her fucking waistband or under the seat ready to blast on fools or anything like that. She's just fucking, she's protecting herself. She's a celebrity who had a stalker that made it into her house with intentions to harm her, kidnap whatever the fuck they were going to do to Sonia. So I don't blame her for having a gun. And she did it legitimately. She's got a permit. Problem is, every state's different. And every state has different laws. And there's even uh, this map gimmick. Um, Here, if I can show you a shot of this. Uh, This is how it looks for people with a permit in the state of Florida. How that carries over to other states and this is different from every state if you own a permit in one state that does not necessarily transfer over to another every state has their own laws and different ways of going about things you know weeds legal in some states and other states you'd be smoking a doobie on the fucking curb when fucking wave to a cop and then just go fucking jump 10 feet over the fucking state line you know if you live on the border and you would get thrown in jail for doing the very same thing um my guess is she's gonna get a little slap on the wrist on this one and i hope she does i hope look she got caught slipping she got got caught slipping got caught riding dirty in new jersey where she shouldn't be with with a florida weapon you know a weapon legal in florida slap a fucking tax on her she's she's got money right she's on tv so it's good for a fine. Fine her and let her the fuck go. Don't press any kind of criminal charges on this bitch. First of all, because she owns the gun and I get state laws and all that. I get that. But is she being a criminal? Now, technically, she doesn't have a permit in the state, but she is a permitted gun owner. Illegal. She's gone through the system, registered, background checks, all that good stuff. Um... You know, and, and the gun laws are changing. You know, there should be, it's a uh, shall issue in every state now. Jersey was one of those states that kind of tried to play ball with, tried to fuck with people a little bit, right? Uh, not play ball. They, they, they would string people along, you know, they they it was what was called May issue where, You know, we we might give it to you, but you got to jump through all of our hoops and prove yourself and all of that kind of stuff, which Sonia would be a good case for that, even in those states, because she had a legit home invasion. A lot of those states that do that are like, well, what actual reason do you have to believe that your life is in jeopardy, like imminent jeopardy? You know what I mean? Which is stupid to begin with. You know, uh, like it or not, Constitution clearly states everybody shall have a gun, and it shall not be infringed. So that should be case closed, end of story. She could probably fight this all the way up to the fucking highest courts if she wanted to, but it won't work out like that. She's a celebrity. She's got money. She's legal. She's not a criminal. Did everything by the books. Has a legitimate reason to have the gun with documented court, fucking all of that. Um, and let's, let's not even, before we wrap this up, let's not gloss over this fucking stooge ass valet that's what's he what's he doing going through her glove box anyway if you are just parking somebody's goddamn car why are you going in their glove box do you put the keys in the glove box is that what you do with them is that how you is that the normal procedure a lot of people lock their glove boxes are you telling me you unlock their glove box to put the key in once don't you just flip it up in the visor why were you in there And even if you were in there and you saw a gun, why did this trigger you to go fucking stooge her off to the cops? Oh, oh, she's got a gun. Ah. Oh, no. A fucking lady with a gun. Ah. Why would you just not assume she's a fucking lady who's not going to get fucking... Attacked by some fucking man in a parking garage. She's got the fucking equalizer. She's got a great, the great equalizer. That's all that is. She's fine. Everything's fine. Chill the fuck out. So she's going to be fine. That guy's a douchebag stooge. I hope people ridicule him and throw things at him and call him names for the rest of his life. Sonia, going to have to pay a fine. Even if I'm running shit in New Jersey, if I'm the prosecuting attorney, I'm looking at this case. Her lawyer's already trying to get it thrown out for whatever, you know, probably from multiple angles. Why was this valet in the glove box? Is that an infringement on personal property? You know, an illegal search and seizure, if you will. Or just, you know, here's her court history and the stalker and this break-in. And she's registered in Florida and just... There's enough there, her celebrity status. There's enough there where if I'm prosecuting attorney, I don't want to touch this one. I'm going to say, you know what? Why don't you just pay us, like, fucking five grand, call it a day. Peace out. You know what I mean? Fines of $5,000. Have a nice life. You know, don't get caught slipping again, coming through. Um, That's how it should be. Look, these permits... You know, I get I get every state has their own laws, but with this being a constitutional right and I, I think it's you know I think if you are allowed to carry it in one state, it should just carry over to all. But it's all different and it's just a big fucking mess. But these kind of gray area shady legalities, nobody deserves to get thrown in jail or, or anything like that. But if she does, hey, she she at least had to do some kind of like overnighter, perhaps. Well, she was bailed out right away, right? So, uh, you know, her and Dom are going to have some words backstage. You know, some bragging rights about who did the harder time. You know what I mean? Maybe they're going to shank each other in the hallways. Who knows? Who knows how it's going to play out. But I'm interested in your thoughts. I think, you know, I've read some comments on this in other places, and it seems to me that People are genuinely seem to have her back on this one. You know, people are, you know, kind of sound just like I do about this, that good for Sonia, good for sticking up for herself. And she should get a little slap on the wrist and be on her merry way with this. But I would love to hear what your thoughts are. Leave them in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. The good doctor Britt Baker was on the Wrestling podcast with Brandon Walker this week. Not Braden Walker, Brandon Walker. Two different things. Did you guys hear? I almost put it on the show last week, but it was a last minute clip. You know, I was actually listening to it while I was doing up the, the last of my thumbnails. Um, so it didn't make the cut last week, but did you hear? Bruce Pritchard fucking bury Braden Walker on something to wrestle last with like a fucking burial. Like, I mean Braden Walker. You remember the um <laughs> the the it's probably still out there, the YouTube video that's the uh the three disc D V D set, the best of Brayden Braden Walker. <laughs> Some of you are like, Who the fuck is Braden Walker? Uh that's the um not uh Cowboy James Storm's his tag team partner. What was his name in fucking TNA? Doesn't matter. We're not talking about him. We're talking about Brandon Walker in his show wrestling. Uh doesn't do the show a whole lot anymore. I think he doesn't get much funding. He's under the um He works for uh, Barstool Sports, and I just think they're not getting a lot of funding for the show. So he pops in and does interviews here or there, especially for pay-per-views, especially for AEW pay-per-views. And, of course, we have the Revolution pay-per-view going on this weekend, and Britt Baker was on the show to promote. Yeah, it took me this long to get to Britt Baker. (laughs) Fuck off. Brandon Walker. It was funny. I didn't get to talk about it last week, so I'm talking about it this week. Um, <clears throat> but she was on the podcast with Brandon Walker, and he asked her flat out, What are your thoughts? How did you feel about the brawl out situation? And this is what Britt Baker had to say. Check out this clip.
4: What were your thoughts following? All Out Media Scrum about six months ago. You know, that was one of the dominant stories in wrestling. It obviously made big headlines. I don't know that I ever got your thoughts. What were your thoughts on that whole situation?
5: Yeah, I actually don't even think I've ever given my thoughts. But um, so just speaking solely on what I watched, because that's all I can talk about is what I saw and, and the scrum and what I heard. And as someone who loves AEW more than anything in the world and has so much pride and at a time when it felt like we were really like something special. And we had some of the biggest names in professional wrestling, all like fighting for our same team. Um, and, and especially after a huge pay-per-view, the pay-per-view was amazing. It was one of the, I think one of the biggest houses we ever had that scrum was heartbreaking and it was, it was embarrassing and it was disappointing because it's, it just felt like, and for a moment in time that it was, this felt like a, a very much a disaster, and you never want that to happen, and, and that happens every day. There's days where I, like, stub my toe in the dental office. I'm like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. You never want you never want that feeling, but it happens all the time, and that was definitely a time in AEW where I was like, man, this sucks. Um, just, and again, just me speaking personally, I think the scrums are really cool because it's after a pay-per-view, and you get to speak to these wrestlers, and there's a lot of emotion, and they get to talk to you about what's going on in the ring, what they're feeling, their storyline. And it, in a way, it kind of it humanizes these very larger-than-life wrestlers that you just saw wrestle for 30 minutes in the ring or whatever. But that time needs to be used proactively and responsibly because I can sit here with you. How much time do we have left?
4: As much as we need. 20 minutes.
5: <laughs> well, say, <laughs> say if I sit here and do nothing but tell you everybody I hate, everybody, everything that I'm mad at, or let's let's go through all the Twitter lies about me and debunk them all, like that that's not proactive, and that would be selfish of me to use your time and the world's time like that. Sure. I would rather let's put over this freaking pay per view. Else, going awesome in AEW, and is that other stuff there? Of course. Are there people here I don't like? Of course. Are there things I don't like? Of course. But. I'm still a soldier for AEW and I'm on the front lines, I'm fighting for my team and I'm gonna put it over.
4: As a soldier, do you think the people that are still in the company might've been unfair, unfairly characterized after that? Or, or, or are there things that we might think about the whole situation that maybe aren't right? I am i don't know how to ask the question. I'm just saying, are there anybody that was unfair unfairly judged off of that situation?
5: I think probably everybody involved was somehow You know wrongly characterized we weren't there i wasn't there you weren't there so that will be that but um what i can say is aw is is still a special place and when maybe that was a little you know wrinkle wrinkle in the fabric but we ironed it out and we're still a super strong company a super strong a family
0: yeah, that's the exact response. I understand that fully. It is heartbreaking. It is. It's. It's a letdown, man. It's a bummer, because uh, I think in a lot of ways it killed AEW. Now I'm not gonna sit here and say this is the death of AEW or anything like that, but I think if you were to, if the book was to ever be written about the rise and fall of AEW, I don't know that the first. Sentence, the first paragraph of the chapter that begins the downfall of AEW starts with Brawlout. And uh, it was really a dark, it was a dark, dark day in AEW history because it just made them look so weak so pitiful it made tony look weak made them look like they had no control made them look like they're fucking just a bunch of clowns punk put down the entire company it was a horrible look and that's what made me look i'm the biggest cm punk fan i got the fucking i went i got i got the ice cream look I got the the ice cream sandwich, punk. Look at that. That's that's the shit right there. The fucking ice cream sandwich. And I was there. I got the sandwich. I ate the sandwich. It was a good sandwich. We wanted to save it. We had the idea, me and the kids, of saving our ice cream sandwiches. But we didn't know we were going to get ice cream sandwiches. So we didn't bring a cooler. Stupid us didn't bring a cooler to the wrestling show. You know, with ice packs and stuff. So, it would have been a very melty, uh, still in the package, still in the bag. but uh, And you can always refreeze it. But it would be a a melty fucking mess. Anyway, digression. I'm a huge CM Punk fan. Uh, That really stung. And I remember saying, if it wasn't on this show, it was maybe on, I did a reaction to it as well. That it, it, it took a lot of. It took a lot of my love out of CM Punk. It really did. It made me look at him in a different way because he just so unabashedly buried the entire company. And now look, there's days I saw uh, in in the comments on one of Dax's videos. Somebody said, the more I listen to Dax Harwood podcast, the more I think CM Punk was right. And that's, that's funny because it's true. You know, like it's such a nuanced gray even Kenny Omega said in his interview uh, with Renee Piquette that they're you know it's a it's it's not black and white. It's not this side is good, this side is bad, you know, everybody was in the wrong a little bit, everybody was in the right a little bit, at least in their own heads. <clears throat> and like Kenny said, fights happen. The fight's not even the big deal, it's the burial of the company to the public and uh, get where punk was coming from with the whole thing because if you'll remember to punk's credit at that time it was getting leaked out to the dirt sheets that punk was the one responsible for colt cabana being demoted or kicked out or whatever sent down to ring of honor almost just losing his job completely which to me like Colt Cabana, yeah, he's an indie hero, right? Like he's an indie legend. He is the fucking prototypical indie wrestler, you know, with the t-shirts and the podcast and the just, you know, he's really made a business for himself. The the one the pro wrestling tees, the one hour tees, whatever gimmick that he's got going on there. He's part owner in that. <clears throat> Colt's, Colt does good for himself, but I I just don't like Colt Cabana at all. Not even not even a little bit. And not just on a wrestling level. Like, even when I listen to his podcasts, uh, he bugs me. There's just, he just, ugh, there's just something grating about Colt Cabana. Um, but Punk, you know, swears he had nothing to do with it. And he took this as his opportunity to let the fucking media know to their faces uh, all of this shit that's being leaked to you guys, it's all bullshit. But then, you know, the problem was is that he let that continue into just airing out his dirty laundry and grievances and, and making his fucking boss look like a cock. You know what I mean? Just sit there and fucking take it. Just watch. Just watch and fucking jerk off in the corner to it if you like it or something. But shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Even when he tried to speak up, Punk's like, no, yeah, yeah, I got this. I'm not done yet. So. Unapologetically, by the way. Will not, has not, won't, not gonna happen. Um, but it was it was a very dark day. I get where Britt's coming from, I get how she feels, and I I, I get if that made both wrestlers and fans. Look at Tony Khan and the AEW completely different. It certainly made me look at all of it differently. It made me look at Punk differently. It made me look at and <clears throat> it made me look at Tony Khan differently. You know, I always knew Tony was a was a nerd, and that uh, <clears throat> you know he, he didn't have the balls that like a Vince does. But, you know, I genuinely, like, liked him as a co-wrestling nerd, right? I'm a nerd. He's a nerd. We're wrestling nerds. Uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But the more I get of Tony Khan, too, with his, like, that shit with Ariel Helwani last week, he's just, he's, he's just a fuck. And, 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 and now with hearing about how, like, uh, the FTR, for example... According to Dax, unless he's just playing the Internet and they're plotting a return soon. But according to Dax, they have they've told Tony that they're interested in coming back to to at least till the end of their contract until something's worked out. If something's worked out Uh, and he's said that the FTR has not heard back from Tony Khan on that. Not only that. But when they acknowledged uh, the Wrestling Observer Awards, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well. Uh, when he acknowledged the Wrestling Observer Awards, uh, when AEW did on their Twitter, it was uh, like Feud of the Year with the Briscoes or something. It was FTR and the Briscoes. All they mentioned was the Briscoes. They didn't mention FTR. Petty! Petty, right? Petty is shit! What's their beef with FTR? Is it just more of that same thing that we heard from, I don't even remember their names now, whoever the fuck used to work for AEW and said once they were let go, like Tony just stopped talking to them like they just heard nothing. You know, their contract was coming to an end and it's just, that's it. No, no nothing. Not even a goodbye. Not even a just, if we have no interest in resigning you, then we're just not going to, just not even going to talk to you. It's bad business. Tony Conda's bad business all around. and uh, Bringing it all the way back to this Britt Baker interview and her thoughts on the all-out brawl out, I think this was, like I said, if we were to write the book on the end of AEW, the rise and fall, and I'm not predicting the fall of AEW. In fact, I predicted last week they're going to get a bigger, better TV deal. That they're gonna be around a while, but they're also looking at losing the Young Bucks and losing Kenny Omega and losing MJF. Where are they gonna be then? I think John Moxley and Chris Jericho can carry that fucking company. Those two aren't going back, but who else? <clears throat> they're gonna lose Jungle Boy too, probably at some point. They're gonna lose Warlow. They're gonna lose Will Hobbs. They're gonna lose Jade Cargill, Britt Baker. I'm taking all of them if I'm WWE. Tony Khan's got to pay more money. But sometimes money's not enough either. You got to communicate. You got to talk with your talent. You got to have a rapport with them. You got to know what they want and need. The more I listen to Dax's podcast, you know, just to kind of throw that in the mix here. Like that dude said, CM Punk's right about a lot of this stuff. Should it have been said in the way that it was said? Mm hmm But I don't think he's totally wrong. I think you got to be a pretty big Young Buck mark to look at the situation and be like, yeah, Young Bucks are completely right. You know, even Kenny Omega said everybody was in the wrong. So big fucking mess that they have yet to recover from in my eyes. Uh, The best way to recover from it is to make a big fucking angle out of it. That's what you do. Because theoretically, you could just play it off as it was a work the whole time. Because CM Punk could have came back from that match before he went and did his little fucking brawl out shoot promo thing. And been told by the doctor, like, yeah, bro, you're fucked up. You're going to need to take some time off. He knew... Whether it was just experience as an athlete, being in the ring, knowing his body, or if he was told by a doctor already. He was seen and checked out and told, you're going to be out for a while, bro. So let's shoot an angle. Let's get everybody talking. You know what I mean? And if you look at Tony Khan, he was making some faces during that fucking thing. And if you've ever seen him act, you know, try to be in character, he likes to make faces and stuff. So... I don't know if that was a natural reaction, a very nervous, twitchy nerd just insecure in himself and not sure how to handle the situation, most likely. But it's plausible this whole thing is an elaborate work. And Punk's got a really smart wrestling brain. And we already know he likes the work shoot. He likes that style. Who's to say we got FTR? They're working it on the podcast. Who's to say it doesn't come all the way back, you know? They just, they're working the whole thing. These behind-the-scenes beefs between everybody. Who knows? Maybe we'll never know. Hard to say, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Oh, yeah! Well, Kenny Omega might be somebody that's on his way out the door from AEW to the WWE, but you know who's not? On his way out the door of AEW anytime soon, Le Champion, Chris Jericho, the Ocho, the fucking whatever else you want to, whatever other nicknames you want to give him. He did an exclusive interview with the Daily Star this week. This is a uh, news website over in the U.K., Did an exclusive interview with them, claiming he has no intentions of ever leaving AEW. He's happy there. He likes it. Let's go ahead and take a look at this article. There you see AEW icon Chris Jericho. Zero interest in WWE return. Jericho has firmly nailed his colors to AEW. And let's see if we can find these quotes over all these annoying-ass pop-ups. Why would you bring me back to the top? Oh, you fucking cunt. Uh, I've been in WWE. I know how it works. They work that way. I don't care if Vince is there, Hunter's there, whoever's there. They have a way of doing things. And I was there for 20 years and it was pretty good at it. I like the way we do things here in AEW better. So I don't know why I wouldn't want to finish my career in AEW. I never thought that I wouldn't finish my career with the WWE, but things happened. And I was just, I want to go to Japan and do this match. And then it opened up a whole new world for me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the fun side of wrestling again. Business is business and there's always ups and downs. But I have zero interest in ever going back to the WWE. I just really dig AEW. I have a stake in the game. I came here. Right out of the gate, I was the guy. Besides Jim Ross, there was nobody that had really been on television on a national basis other than me. Take great pride in that. I started here. Why would I want to walk away? There's so much more that we can do. The sense of accomplishment is massive. I get it. On surface level. Let's not pretend that Chris Jericho is just making... $10 million a year, whatever the fuck he's getting out of Tony Khan, right? Let's let's put aside that he's essentially an unofficial EVP. I think he has said as much on podcasts before that he was offered the EVP uh, position by Tony Khan, but he turned it down. But he's still kind of does the role anyway you know he takes that leadership role he talks in the meetings he's in charge of all of his own creative and booking and and he can make a call with a snap of his fingers he was doing an interview with fucking forgive me i forgot the guy's name already but the guy's making some noise for himself over in the uk uh he did an interview with him recently on his podcast the guy he wrestled at uh at the um uh, PWG Battle of Los Angeles, but uh, had that guy on, and that guy's just like, yeah, man, I think it'd be great, you know, if I can hopefully maybe work my way up to getting a spot on that card when AEW comes to the UK. And Jericho's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, done. I, there you go, you're on it. <laughs> what next? You know what I mean? Like, they even get, don't even gotta run it by the boss. Jericho's the boss. Jericho runs shit. Uh, it's kind of well known, you know, he's got the boss wrapped around his finger and stuff, but why not? Why not? Remember Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon were very buddy-buddy, very buddy-buddy, you know, and Hogan had the ear of Vince and Hogan could get hired. Anybody who could want, you know, all of these criticisms anybody wants to throw Tony Khan's way or Chris Jericho's way has been done in wrestling a million times over, You know what I mean? Like, of course the guy, you you know, at the top of the card is the schmooziest with the boss. That's how you play the game. And that's why I said on the surface level. Because there's an element to Chris Jericho that's a bit of a snake. He's a worker. He's a carny. And I don't mean that in a negative way because Chris Jericho is also one of my favorite wrestlers. Not necessarily in the ring anymore, you know. I don't know if he ever was in the ring. As a character, as a personality, I just respect the hustle, the podcast, the cruise, the band, the wrestling, the fucking creativity. He just, you know, he's, he's my dude. I like the guy. But. That's not to say that you can't clearly see that there's some snake in the grass tendencies with him. You know, he's not above manipulating people. He's not above wrapping Tony Khan around his finger and using the millionaire, the billionaire. You know what I mean? The billionaire's son. Like, he knows what he's doing. He knows that he can sit there, earn a giant, big, fat paycheck, not do a whole lot in the ring but still be able to call himself a wrestler and that's not to discourage his in-ring ability at his age he's fantastic in the ring he really is especially since he's got himself back in shape i think you know he's moving around he's got his wind and, and stuff back so he's fine in the ring for his age um but even more so just having chris jericho as a as a face of your company as a brand, put him on, uh, even though he's, he's a bit obnoxious on commentary and he's a tone it town a notch, but fuck when he's done wrestling, he can be on commentary, he can be a manager, or like a Freddie Blassie. He could be, you know, just help run things behind the scenes, you know, uh, Jericho even admitted that he was one of the top recruiters for AEW when they were hiring, that he was the one that, uh, was kind of talking to the guys <clears throat> that were getting brought in. So it's clear to see why he's got it easy there. If he goes back to the WWE, he's gonna have less creative control. He might even be making. He's gonna make less money. They're not gonna pay him even with their big bucks. They're not gonna pay him what Tony's paying him because Tony's paying him damn near mark money. Which I would, by the way, that's not even a criticism. You need a couple guys on your roster that are not only legitimate legends, Hall of Fame-level household names, but you need to make them happy, and you need to make them cornerstones of your company. There's nothing wrong with throwing a fucking... Bucket load of uh, fucking truckload of money backing it up to Chris Jericho's house and just saying, just be a fucking partner with me on this. Not an actual partner, but you know what I mean? In spirit. And Chris is. He's team AEW all the way. I don't have a problem with that. I would probably do the same thing with Chris Jericho. It's not to say he's the biggest star in the business. It's not to say he's the best wrestler in the business or the biggest draw. It's to say you need those kind of cornerstone foundations that aren't going to go anywhere. And if you're looking at it, you know, Cody already left. Kenny Omega's talking about leaving. Young Buck's possibly leaving. MJF talking about leaving. Obviously, they're going to have eyes on a Britt Baker, a Jade Cargill, a Will Hobbs, a Wardlow, (sighs) a Key, the list goes on and on and on and on. Jungle Boy, Darby, probably even to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna WWE's gonna be making plays for those guys. So Tony's gotta throw around some big money and 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 give some guys some creative leeway. And I don't have a problem with that. That's just fine. And that's not anything that Vince didn't do before himself when he was trying to get his company off the ground. When he st- when he took over from his dad, he partnered up with Hulk Hogan. It was the Hulk and Vince show. He was it was a one babyface business. Hulk, Hulk's buddies in the fucking heel factories that kept going up against the Hulk. You know, they kept rotating through. You know the fucking. Uh, whatever the the heel of the week, the heel of the month that was facing Hogan, then they get rotated back down the card and by next WrestleMania they're in a jobber position. Same shit, same shit. People are holding Tony Khan to a standard, you know, to a, to Vince McMahon of today's standards. They don't look at that kind of stuff, but <sighs> It's interesting. It's interesting to think about, but I don't think we'll see Chris Jericho in WWE ever again. I think he'll go back for a Hall of Fame. I don't think he'll leave AEW to go wrestle for WWE again. I think that ship has sailed. And I think, uh, you know, he's got a tenure. He's going to be in his 60s. He's going to be 60, 61 by the time that his contract's up with AEW. He's not going to go wrestle for WWE. He might. Even be allowed to go do a Hall of Fame while under contract. He already did the broken skull sessions. He's Chris Jericho. He'll build to get get it pulled off. If there's a will, there's a way. So that's my thoughts on the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, fuck. What do you want me to say about it? You know, I don't blame Chris for wanting to stick around and get that money. What are your thoughts, though? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Did I miss anything? Did I get anything wrong? Whatever the fuck. Let me know. On to the next. Well, Kenny Omega's interview with Renee Paquette this week on the Sessions podcast was very newsworthy. Lots of big stories coming out of this podcast. A fantastic interview. Nobody does interviews quite like Renee. Renee is amazing. I think she's one of the biggest wrestling podcasts out there, too. And for good reason. She's insanely good at what she does. She's uh one in a million talent. You know, she's got that, just that personality that she just, she's fantastic. You know what I mean? Does great work. Has a beautiful conversation with Kenny that's really in the format of just shooting the shit. Just hanging out, having a good old conversation. Um, they got into the all-out, brawl-out uh, I did do a clip on that earlier in the show. If you're listening to the whole show, you already caught that. Uh, if you're just checking out the clips, go check out that clip. I'll put it as the end cap. What to watch next, I'll put that one up there for you so you can don't have to go looking for it. It'll be there for you waiting at the end of this one. Um, and Kenny even talked a little bit of WWE. You know, the rumors that he's going to be going to WWE, which I addressed in that clip as well. Uh, but it was in this clip right here that you came to see, that you clicked on. Kenny Omega gives his thoughts on that goddamn Barbed wire deathmatch debacle. That thing was terrible. I talk about the brawl out being something that hurt AEW. That match really hurt AEW at the time, too. Now, they bounced back from it. I think people forgot about it fairly quickly. I think uh, even now, if you were bringing it up, you know, when you saw this thumbnail, you're like, oh, yeah, that happened. You know, it's Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, but I, what a fucking mess that was when that happened, right? How embarrassing. That was the worst. Like, those explosions were so powder puff, so weak, so, like, even, even the ones that did work, they were clearly fireworks, you know? It just didn't look good, but... Uh, don't take my word for it. What did the guy in the ring think? What did Kenny Omega think? What was going through his mind going into the barbed wire death match with John Moxley? And what were his thoughts when the exploding barbed wire death match did not explode and nobody died? Check out this clip. What's an,
2: what's an instance of something not working out the way that you thought that it was going to?
0: Um.
3: <laughs> the, the big one that always comes to, to comes to mind, the forefront of my brain is of course the, uh, the barbed wire death match, exploding barbed wire death match. It was, uh,
2: mm-hmm. again, great, I match. Mean, great match. By I the was, way,
3: I was so proud of the match. I was so worried about the match because I'm not really a hardcore guy and I've, I'm, I'm like a guy that's scared of needles. I'm a guy that's scared of getting (laughs) caught. When I'm in the, in the heat of the moment, I, I, things happen. So I I just deal with it. You know what I mean? So when I'm getting thrown on the barbed wire and things like that in the heat of the moment, sure. I can handle it, but no going into a match, knowing that this might happen and this might happen and this might happen. and And I'm thinking worst case scenarios, like, wow, I could catch on fire. I could sear you know, my face off yes. or whatever. I could get completely shredded by barbed wire if I get completely tangled in it. Like I was scared of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I never thought would happen and I should have considered it was, what if all this stuff that they've prepared, that they have done rehearsals for, that I know worked in rehearsals, what if for some reason on the day of that doesn't work? It never popped into my mind that feeling, that thought, because you just think that the stuff that you can't control is going to be there for you. you Sure,
2: yeah. You're worried about your match. You're worried about your moments. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's like what I'm trying to worry about, like what 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 can I do to control the unknown? But the thing I can't control, any sort of technical aspect of the match, I can't do that. So I'm just trusting that all these people that have the know-how. And that have been tasked to do this can pull it off. And
2: what was, what was going through your mind during that moment when you're like waiting, waiting, waiting?
3: um Like what I happens
2: thought, as like a performer in that moment of like oh shit? So
3: I was I was giving the entire situation the benefit of the doubt because it was a super windy day. Yeah. It was a very windy day and the way that the wind traveled through that kind of half open air arena, I thought maybe this place has been so wind tunneled up that something has had caused this to, to not fire the way that it should. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of hoping that maybe that's what it was, <laughs> but it was just like, when I heard the real reason where it was like the boss who was not there from four rehearsals, had then showed up to the actual real life show. And he had said, I've got a way to make this look even better. Oh, and that was his idea. Couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, you decided on the spot when you didn't know the idea, you didn't see the rehearsal. And that's that's the, the direction he decided to go in. And yes, there were misfires with, within his new idea that he decided, yeah. but I wish we just would have done what we practiced, you know. <laughs> so how do
2: you, how do you react in a moment mm-hmm. like that when things don't go as planned? What is like what do you do when you walk to the back? Are you mad? Are you kind of trying to understand it? How do you function in that moment? How <laughs> did you get pissed? you look I you
3: uh, so
0: I would have been irate, dude. Whoever was in charge of that, who and, and, and Kenny hinted that it might have been Tony Khan's fault. He said, the person that added something at the end, we all said that we didn't think that was a good idea, but he said it was going to happen anyway, and he was the final word. Who's the final word at AEW? Tony Khan. So, maybe Tony added something to this match that made it stupider. I don't know. It looked like a normal exploding barbed wire death match. You know, like the big boom at the end. Maybe that was his idea to recreate the thing, uh, you know, with the covering where Eddie came down and covered Mox. But... It was what it was. shit happens. they did a rehearsal and everything went off fine. I don't know what else you could have done to prep. you know what I mean uh, if it was tested beforehand then you just um, you gotta you gotta put your faith in God to a certain extent and but I get where Kenny's coming from. he's not it's gonna be hard for him to put his trust. In that process again, for him to rely on gimmicks and things to happen in the match, um, he just he seemed very pissed off about it, he seemed very disenchanted altogether with AEW. He sounds about done with it to be 100% honest with you. I think he's going to WWE, that's what I think. I think Kenny Omega is out ski as soon as he gets the chance. I think that's probably why Tony locked him up for another nine months to make up for because they had the option to pick up the months that Kenny was off. You know, you don't get to sign a contract for two years, three years, and then sit almost an entire year off at home. Granted, you're doing recovery and all that, but I hired you to be on TV for three years, not sit on your couch for a year. So, I get it. I get that. But I think that's an ominous sign. I think that's a sign of uh Tony, you know, exercising his right to hold on to Kenny, I think shows that Kenny is leaning towards wanting to leave. So, I think that sounds to be where it's heading. He sounded very frustrated in this interview. Uh unhappy with being an EVP. Unhappy with Maybe not having the the kind of control that he thought he would. Um, Unhappy with... Things like that, like he, you know, had to put in there that somebody else added something to this match that made it not work out. And Renee was very good about kind of changing the subject there, kind of taking Kenny in a different direction where Kenny was gonna probably continue further with that. But I get the frustration in the match, man. It was a cool match. It was a cool concept. And look, I remember, I, and I talked about it on this show. Like I was gonna watch that. My kid doesn't does not like wrestling. But uh, he likes cool shit, just like anybody else likes cool shit. So when I tell him, like, hey, I know you don't like wrestling, but these guys are going to wrestle in a ring wrapped in barbed wire, and it's going like, to fucking explode at the end. Want to watch? And then I had to just hide myself in shame because he's looking at it like, "What? What's, what, what is this shit that you're trying to show? Me basically, you know what I mean. So, big old botch, big old turd dropped in the middle of the ring. But I thought you might like to hear Kenny Omega's thoughts on that because uh I don't know, that kind of shit's interesting, right? But I, I, think I do a hundred percent think he's on his way out the door. But what are your thoughts? Do you think he's on his way out the door? I think he's done with AEW? Do you think he's just kind of trolling around, wearing the Sami Zayn shirt? Is that just kind of a troll? Or what's going on there, really? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Highly recommend you check out this interview, by the way. I put that down in the description, the link to the full interview with Renee. It's it's very good, very good interview. Probably the best Kenny Omega interview I've heard. So worth your time. Go check it out. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. <laughs> Bailey sat down with the uh, in the news controversial Mr. Ariel Helwani over on BT Sport this week for the Ariel Helwani Meets show, which is a kind of a more intimate sit down interview. Um, where wrestlers tend to open up and get pretty personal. Not always wrestlers, but, you know, that's the ones that I watch. Anywhere are the wrestlers' ones. And it's a way for Ariel to kind of peel back the layers and really get deep inside some of these guys. Um, and and Bailey doesn't hold back. You could tell she was almost a little nervous in this interview. Not that Ariel asks tough questions, unless you're Tony Khan, then you think... That's all Ariel's trying to do is beat you up, but you know it's they're they're deep and they're personal and they're gonna evoke thought and they're gonna evoke feelings. Uh, she talked about a lot of cool stuff in this interview. She talked about her relationship with Sasha still. You know how she went to New Japan to support Sasha in her debut. She was at that battle in the Valley, and that she has not lost hope about. Sasha coming back to the WWE to be with her bestie. Uh, though I would almost like to see Bailey go the other way around. You know, uh, we, we'll get to the clip, but I want just just indulge me here for a second. I remember pitching, I think on this show. I don't remember how far back or whatever, but I remember pitching a Sasha Banks and Bailey doing like not copying The Outsiders, but an Outsiders esque. Where the two come in to raise almost like what Tony Storm and Soraya are doing right now, but only better and not crappy, and with two actual big stars. No offense to Soraya, but she's pretty well lost it at this point. But, you know, I would love to see Bailey leave WWE instead of seeing Sasha come back. To WWE but that hey that's just me right what, do, what the fuck do I know just a guy in my basement yelling at a microphone uh, but it was in this particular clip right here that Bailey talks about and opens up about gets personal about the reason why she decided to turn heel and how it was her choice to turn heel and to start the damage col- control faction check out this clip
6: Uh, Was this your idea, or did someone approach you about...
7: The whole, like, character change? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was all my idea. Just, like, when it first happened, yeah. Because I was in, I don't know if you remember, like, such a weird time in my career where it wasn't really going where we all thought it would, and I felt the fans turning on me already and just not buying into it. So um, I didn't want to just kind of, like, coast along, and I, I wanted to, I knew when I joined WWE and when I wanted to be a wrestler, like, I wanted to be able to do everything. Like I wanted to be bad, be good, be in a love angle, be in, do you have this match, do, you have, like, I wanted to do everything and ride that wave of the WWE, you know, so I felt it was a perfect opportunity, and the the last match I had before, like, the change was, I forget the pay-per-view, but I lost the championship to Charlotte and then I had to break down and cry and told me just to throw a fit and cry and cry and I thought it was so strange but you know I did it and I just told myself like, I can't come back the same Bailey right. so I um, talked to Vince and I talked to my writers and threw out this whole idea of a complete 180 character change and then um, he's like okay we're gonna do it but it was like two days later so I had no time to really, you know, figure out what this is going to be. Uh, and then we did that change, and um, then it's just grown throughout the years now that I've had time to kind right. of settle in and see how the fans react to it.
6: Uh, why did you feel like the fans were starting to turn on you or feel
7: tired? Um, I, think it, it, I think to me what f- it just felt natural. You know, it, it, what I was doing that at the time felt unnatural to them, but it, I think it's because I truly outgrew it.
6: The genesis of damage control, where did that start? That,
7: that is something that I've, I've like, thought about for a couple years before it actually really? happened, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, and I know Dakota has talked about this in her interviews in the past. Like, it had a, a different group of people as the time went on, you know. Um, Peyton Royce was someone that I really wanted in there. And um, Tegan Knox was someone that I wanted in there. There was a lot of people... Uh, that it just kind of changed throughout time and as people left the company and things like that. But Dakota was always, she's one of the OGs that I always envisioned in this group. I just thought like there's no women's factions. Like there's been trios and to me, if it, if it were up to me right now, there would be more of us. Okay. Um, but we'll see, you know, there's, there's been trios, but there's never been like a big faction yeah. where there's four or five of us. And that's what I wanted. I talked to Hunter about this a couple of WrestleManias ago, and he told me, like, well, you need to know, why are, why are you guys together? Like, oh, yeah, you guys are cool together, but find the reason why. Me and DX were this, me and Evolution were this, and explain those things. Then I was like, maybe I need to think about it more. Um, so when I was injured, I thought about it more and shot stuff at the performance center while I was there with a group of girls that I really wanted, because at that time I said, I want— girls from NXT that uh, I believe are ready for the next step and that I believe are ready for WrestleMania and SummerSlam and Royal Rumble. So I had a group of girls, we did a couple videos and a couple pictures, sent it all out until it, you know, could um, see what, what everybody thought about it. And then people get called up, then people got released and it just all kind of fell apart. And I'm like, you know what, maybe it's not a good idea. So. Um, Up until SummerSlam time, I gave a last-ditch effort to Triple H, and that was how this all happened. But to me, damage control is just kind of showing the world how much more there is to offer than what you just see on TV every week, you know?
0: Bailey was absolutely spot-on to want to turn heel at the time that she did. The fans were turning against her. She nailed it. She explained it perfectly. It's been said out loud by other people at that point, you know? Her character was this, oh, I'm so happy to be here. This is so wondrous. Oh, my God, it's so-and-so. I'm so happy to meet you. Like, that character got old very quick. Wacky-waving inflatable tube men and stuff. It was fun in NXT. She definitely got herself over, and you know she had Iggy in the crowd or Izzy, not Iggy, <laughs> Izzy in the crowd, and that really helped Bailey as well. <clears throat> she was the hero for little girls, you know. But I like that. Not that she's. I think she's done her best work as a heel, but I don't like. I don't think she's doing that great of work right now. As a matter of fact, I think damage control is holding her down I don't like damage control at all I think Dakota and EO are not over yet at this point and I think instead of Bailey bringing them up I think she's they're bringing Bailey down and and I think the whole angle the whole damage control as a faction as a thing I don't think it's working at least not in its current form now uh, I have learned to take a little bit of a wait and see approach to things, you know, let things develop a little bit, you know, like a uh, new day is a perfect example of that. When they first started, they weren't getting over, they were hated and there was this weird, like almost like churchy, choiry, uh, there were heels that were preaching to people. I, it evolved into something completely different, but it would never would have had it not been given the breathing room to just grow and develop, you know, um, but I don't know that damage control could get there. I know Bailey said that she would ideally like to add other members to it. And Triple H has put the kibosh on that. He's not having it. Um, but its I just don't think it's working for her. I think it's holding Bailey down. I think she's not having a great run since she's come back and... and at SummerSlam, I think she sh- she could. I think she's been booked horribly. Even that, you know, she had that cage match with Becky Lynch that turned out to just be an angle and a beatdown. I think that got over like a fucking sack of bricks. That was just she's been doing some bad work lately, and she's got to lose damage control. Bailey's one of the best female wrestlers on the planet. I, Bailey versus Sasha, NXT TakeOver New York, TakeOver Brooklyn, whatever. One of the best, one of my favorite matches, period. Not women's matches. I've, definitely the best women's match I've ever seen. Um... But at one of my favorite matches, there was shit that they were doing. The littlest things is what nobody else does. The, the the way that Sasha, Sasha looks like she's fighting and scrapping the whole time. It's one of my favorite things about her. And people call her Bacha Banks because she's sloppy and doesn't look as smooth. Wrestling is not supposed to be a fucking performance. It's not supposed to look like a do doe do dance ballet. You see it happen a lot. But that's not how it's supposed to be. It should look like you're struggling. You should. There should be a little. You ever see these fucking bitches getting fights in like the McDonald's or something like that. And they're fucking pawing at each other's hair. And then they slip and they fall on the floor. And they're throwing weird punches that aren't really like. You ever see a fight? You ever see a chick fight? Like the shit's not supposed to look clean. And and Sasha would stomp on the fingers and fucking just. Just those little things, man. That's why Sasha's one of my favorite wrestlers. And that match was one of my favorite matches. Bailey's fantastic. She just needs a better push, a better opportunity to show it. And uh, she's fastly moving steam. And that's, I think, again, why I'm going back to why I think she needs to leave WWE, too. <coughs> she should get out. I don't know how much more she's got left on her contract, a good source for that is uh, Sean Ross Sap, Fightful. I don't know if it's behind the paywall of Fightful Select, but I know Sean keeps a pretty good uh, record of at least all the contract information that's public, so it would be over there. But Bailey, ideally, if I was being a fantasy booker, Bailey gets the hell out of WWE, at least for a little while, and her and Sasha have a run on the fucking Indies together. Cause Sasha's got her first little run right now, right? So now imagine she spends a year, year and a half, whatever it takes for Bailey's contract to come up, right? And Sasha's making her rounds as a solo performer. Then it starts to get stale, right? Now she's been out for a year, year and a half. She's still fine. It's great. She's still saw. she's still Mercedes Monet, but she's not it's not new anymore. I lost the newness. Um, but add Bailey to that now and send the two out together as a two-woman power trip, as the outsiders, the female outsiders, send them into New Japan to beat up the girls there, send them into AEW to beat up the girls there. And you don't make it the NWO. When I say the outsiders, I don't mean turn it into a thing. I just mean like, that that those same vibes that you got from Holland Nash when they came over to WCW. Do that with Bailey and Sasha. They're outsiders. They're rebels. They're sitting in the crowds. They're picking fights with the female wrestlers. They're attacking them. They're jumping people. They're fucking laughing about it. They're mocking people. Oh, you're hurting all your leg. And fucking you know what I mean? Like. They can do some damn good business like that. Mercedes have a whole other second run on the indies for a whole other year, two years with Bailey or in AEW as those outsiders. Then they go back to WWE if they want to. There's plenty of room. You got all the time in the world. I know the shelf life of a female wrestler is shorter than it is for males. Just, I mean, do I got to say it out loud? The reasons why? Um, Sorry. But, you know, the shelf life is shorter for that reason. Uh, And I think time's not going to be as friendly to one of the two. (laughs) I'm just digging myself a hole. Time's not going to be as... I'll just fucking say it. Time is not going to be as friendly to Bailey, as it is to Sasha in that regard. So, uh, if there's business to be had and they're going to have a nice little run, I think uh, they should strike all the irons hot. Bailey should get the fuck out of WWE. But you know what? Like, if she stays in WWE, good for her. There's tons of money there. She'll always be, you know, towards the top of the card with the women. You know, so it looks like she's going to be doing something fun with Trish and Lita probably this year at WrestleMania. Trish, Lita, and Becky versus Damage Control would be a fantastic match, which Bailey said she would like to do a WrestleMania uh, with Damage Control. Um, So good for her if she's getting all that. I just think it's shit right now. I have zero interest in anything Damage Control is doing. I think they, and I think it's Dakota, and I think it's EO. I think they're... They're, they're not interesting. I don't care. I don't care about either one of them. They're, neither one of them are good in the ring. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Yo can fly and, and jump, and that's fine, but they're, they're just not good wrestlers. <laughs> so uh, they're boring. Nobody cares, and they're holding Bailey down. But that's my two cents. As always, leave your two cents down in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next somebody's gonna get the ass kicked somebody's gonna get the wig split what somebody's gonna get the ass kicked somebody's gonna get the wig split what what mark henry made the news this week talking about guess who cm punk talking about the whole brawl out situation still heavy in the news we've covered it to death on this show even today Kenny Omega talked about it this week on a podcast. Britt Baker talked about it this week on a prop, on a blah, blah, blah. And then even the boys over at Busted Open talked about it. They did a whole master class on it this past Sunday, as a matter of fact. Every week they have a master class recorded where Bubba, Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, and Dave LaGreca all sit down for about a half hour, nothing crazy, and they just kind of talk about something Related to the world of professional wrestling and they do a deep dive into her, you know, a master's class from the point of view of the guys who are all legends in the business at this point. In this past week, they did a master's class on CM Punk and should he be brought back to AEW? And Mark Henry famously made the rounds this week for his thoughts on the topic where he said that punk is not a cancer. And we're going to play that clip here, but there's more to it. We're going to start with the master class from Sunday on Busted Open where we hear from Dave LaGreca, Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, and Bully Ray on whether or not they think CM Punk should be brought back to AEW and why. And then we'll take a listen to Mark Henry further elaborating on it the next day, where he says that he does not think that CM Punk's a cancer and he explains why. Check out these clips.
6: Should CM Punk be back on AEW television?
4: Yes. And <laughs> if i was if i was in charge um i would bring him back and i would bring him back with um him saying to the wrestling world uh not an apology but to state the facts grown men will disagree and things will be said that probably shouldn't have been said. And I regret airing my dirty laundry in front of the world. Won't happen again. Do we agree on everything? No. Can we work together and exist and have a business relationship? Yes. I will not let my personal feelings, my personal gripes and concerns interfere with business again, because ultimately the important thing is business. And I am the business and business is good. Exactly
3: what Mark said. And another big part of whatever statement when he does come back has to be to the fans. If you will accept me, if you want me back, I'm here because, Hey, I understand it. Like
6: you may not want me back.
1: What if um, his side of the story is legitimate and it's the other guys that caused the problems? Do they owe the fans an apology? Hey, you know they're, what? That's a great. Point. Already,
3: uh, yes, it is, but they're already back.
1: So Tommy, yes or no, you're bringing him back. Me personally. Yes. Cause I also like the guy. Okay. I said it's yes and he, I also think, and, Tom,
3: and I think he helps my company.
6: So, so bully, I vote yes for punk to come back. Mark, says yes, Tommy says yes, you know, the floor is yours?
1: Um, I think you already know my answer because much like Mark highlighted the word business, that is the only uh, mode I think in when it comes to professional wrestling is business. Can we make money with someone? Can we make money with an idea? Um, And if there's animosity in the locker room between guys, that's even better because we can probably generate even more money with it. There you go. I don't give a fuck who likes me, who doesn't like me, who respects me, blah blah blah. This is sports entertainment and you ain't going to be at my fucking funeral, so I don't care. But if we can make money together, that's a different story.
6: You know, not to give anything away from the master's class, but you definitely it's a must listen because you go off, bully goes off, Tommy goes off. My opinion, I never really broke down like what I wanted to say about it because it was the masses' classes about you guys. But well, like, bring it down. I, well, I, I mean, they, I'll break it down. it down. Like, do, do, I want, do, do, do. I want, punk, I want CM Punk back. I want CM Punk back. Like, well, why? I want because because I love CM Punk. I love him in the ring. I love him on the microphone. Like. You know, and everybody, and I'm sure the naysayers are going to say, "Well, he's he's a cancer in the locker room." You don't know that. You're not in the locker room. He's not. He's not. Okay, so there you go. You're somebody that's there. I don't think he
0: is either. I think it's all bullshit. I really do. I think there are factions within AEW and that's what it is because there are plenty of people that have come out and said that Punk has been nothing but gracious and helpful and wonderful to them. Dax is damn near best friends with the guy, right? He's been hanging out with FTR with those boys. Wardlow has had nice things to say about him. Fucking uh, uh, Will Hobbs has had nice things to say about CM Punk. Ricky Starks has had nice things. Jade Cargill, I covered that on this show, has had wonderful things to say about CM Punk. And, you know, he bought, you know, there's the stories that he bought everybody in the locker room, fucking in the women's locker room, coffee, Starbucks gift cards. Like big ball of ones, too, (laughs) with a lot, you know, like a lot of money on each one. Like, Punk just seems like a guy that's not going to take any bullshit from anybody. He's going to speak his mind, and he's kind of a grumpy, curmudgeon, irritable fuck to begin with. He's a miserable prick. Hey, fine. Lots of people are miserable pricks. I believe this or not. I know. I know. It's weird. But maybe if you ask, like, an ex-wife or two, I may be described as a miserable prick from time to time. So I get it. I understand. And this is partially why CM Punk has been one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Actually is my favorite. He's my guy. For better or worse. You know what I mean? Even if I've fallen out of love with him a little bit over this whole thing. He's... punk's my dude, right? I relate to him most. And he just he speaks his mind. And he's he's not afraid to and I'm not to say that's not to say he's in the right or that he should speak his mind. I think he's he's brash and he's a prick and he doesn't he's he's uh He's got a sting sometimes when he speaks. You know, they say that about. Uh, I'm a Scorpio, for example, and that's one of the things. Like, their stingers hurt. You know what I mean? Like, Scorpios are famous for brutal truths and just kind of laying it in. Where like, Oof, that was that was that was a little bit harsh. That one stung a little bit. That's punk's punk will do that to you. You know, he's he's got that kind of energy to him as well. Um, but I think that's if you cross him, you know. And we know that the young bucks—they're a little clicky, fucking. We hear it from Dax and stuff too. Regardless of you know, maybe you know, I even said last uh, a couple of weeks ago that I think you know, after listening to Dax, I I think he takes himself a little too seriously. He's getting in all these little beefs and getting upset with people over things. And I think it's because he he just he's too passionate. He's too serious. And uh, so maybe the FTR and Punk are outliers. Maybe that's why FTR might not be coming back to AEW. You know, maybe that's why Tony Khan didn't didn't invite them back to finish out their contract. Like Taxa said, hey, we let Tony know we're willing to come back and work till our contract's up, or you know, uh, you know, if we can work something out. And he said he hasn't heard from him yet. I don't know if Punk's coming back, but you heard it from all the guys there. They all think he should based on business. And I'm going to try to make this a little bit different uh, from the Kenny Omega clip because Kenny Omega, I did cover uh, this brawl out situation from a different angle earlier from both. Uh, I did a clip Britt Baker was talking about the subject. Kenny Omega was talking about this. It's still such a huge issue. I think the ideal... Position here is if you can figure out a way, and they don't gotta like each other, they don't gotta get along, they don't gotta be friends, but if you can figure out a way to get CM, they don't even gotta apologize. Because CM Punk and FTR together on their side, and then you get the elite over on their side, and you just fucking the elite versus CM FTR. Six man's one-on-one mixes leading to the big pay-per-view, the big blow-off for both of them. Long-term story, six months, leading to FTR versus Young Bucks 3, the rubber match, and CM Punk versus Kenny Omega one-on-one. I think it would be brilliant. I think it would draw a lot of money. I don't know that it will happen because of egos and politics and that sort of thing. People got their clicks backstage. The Young Bucks are their own separate click. You know, and then there's guys that are probably just lone wolves and stuff. You know, Britt kind of seemed like she's with the originals. Like, she was on the side of the elite, basically, even though she seemed to, you know, be friendly with Punk. And I know Punk was a particular fan of Brit Baker, put her over in his first promo there. Punk's a very divisive guy. He always has been. Very unliked in a lot of ways, but... Look, being unliked doesn't mean you can't draw money in the business. Ultimate Warrior was not very well liked, and he is to this day one of the biggest names in the history of life. You know, you ask anybody on the street to name five, ten wrestlers, I'll bet you Ultimate Warrior's name comes up eighty, eighty out of a hundred times at least. You know, he's a legend. Also a piece of shit that nobody liked. So CM Punk at least has some friends in the business. But it's a mess. The boys have busted open. Mark Henry support. Mark Henry says he's not. That's another one now. He's saying good things. And he's echoing what some of these other guys. He's seen him working with people. Punk's not an egomaniac back there. He's not, go lace my boots, and why are you wasting my time, and fuck you, do you know who I am? Punk's out there, he's helping the young guys. He's requesting to work with the young guys, and he's talking with them, and he's hanging out with them, and he's buying them Starbucks, and supporting them, and encouraging them, and Punk's a good dude. You just don't fuck with him. And somewhere along the way backstage, as EVPs, the elite were probably rubbed Punk the wrong way to make him think, these guys are a bunch of fucking morons that couldn't even manage, manage a target. And they're sitting here trying to tell me? Fuck you. That's CM Punk. That's how he is. You can design your locker room to not have people like that, which is one way to do it. Absolutely. And, you know, Tony Khan, it's been said that he likes to design his locker room to be a team. Jake Hager said that, you know, he wants people that are going to get along, that are going to be a team. He runs his company like a team because he comes from a sports background. He's a sports ball guy. But there's egos and attitudes and clashes of praise. Wrestling is very much an individual sport. As much as you can try to make it a team sport, you know, AEW is a team, yay. Might have all been like that. But at some point, you're going to start bringing people in that are like, I'm just here to get a fucking paycheck and make myself a bigger star. And, and, and Punk's not even taking that attitude. You know, that's how, remember, Brian Danielson came in and he was like, I'm going to be the opposite of Punk. I'm going to kick all these guys' heads in and I'm going to just fucking, I'm here to beat the shit out of people. I don't want to help anybody. I don't want to bring anybody up. I just want to beat the shit out of people. Of course, Brian is also helping people out backstage, famously working with Jade Cargill. I'm sure many other people, but I don't think Punk's a bad guy. I think he just, you know, there's a a clash of personalities there, especially because the elite are friends with Colt Cabana. Close friends with Colt Cabana, as a matter of fact. The Young Bucks were so su- successful on the independents because they sat under the learning tree of Colt Cabana of how to do merchandise and the fucking, he had a podcast, they did a fucking YouTube show. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> they learned under you know, from Colt. They're tight with Colt. Punk, not so much. Colt's probably going to say bad things about Punk to them behind closed doors, and they're going to have an opinion about him already when he comes in. And that's going to create problems when they're trying to do business backstage. Tony Khan probably doesn't know what the fuck to do. He started this company with these these guys, the elite. He handpicked them from the indies, knowing that they were the biggest stars on in the indies. And that they were essential to starting a brand new company. Giving it its own unique look and feel with guys that have never been to the WWE. It was a brilliant move at the time. But CM Punk was always the biggest free agent out there, wasn't he? You can look at it in hindsight now. You can sit back and be like, oh, CM Punk, fuck that guy. Fuck you. When he was sitting on the shelf for seven years and saying, I'm never coming back. Never. Remember, he said those exact words in a promo. He was being ridiculous, but he said it that exact way. But he came back. He was that biggest fish, that fucking whale out there, just fucking the Moby Dick of pro wrestling. Tony went out and got him, and that changed the business instantly. And you can't argue with that. You're a fucking moron if you're going to sit there and say, oh, Punk wasn't really a draw. Yeah, he actually was. While he was there was the time that AEW was, they they were always up at a million or more. With CM Punk. I'm sure they dipped under a little bit here and there. But those that was the million viewer run. Was when Punk was there. Pay-per-view draws. Sold the most pay-per-views. Fucking merchandise. Sold the mer- most merchandise. You know, ticket sales. House. Fucking pop the house. Yeah. God damn. Sold out the fucking United Center without even mentioning his name. You just got to put the vibe out there. Remember this guy? That guy, that's he's from your city? Sell that bitch right out. All you got to do is say best in the world on TV and fucking sold. 16,000 tickets, boom. Done. Punk's a big star. He's a massive. And if he were to come back from this, oh, oh people are watching. People are goddamn watching. Say what you want about Punk. You're going to tune in because you're going to want to know what's he got to say about this. How's that going to work out? And then when you hear that the Young Bucks came out and interrupted him or Kenny Omega. Or he came out and interrupted the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and it's leaning that way. You're going to buy those pay-per-views. You know, you do. You know, there's uh, they do them like every four months. Right. So you do. A build to a six-man, FTR and CM Punk versus the Elite. And then you build to the next pay-per-view from there to do the Elite versus FTR. Or, you know, the Bucks versus FTR and Punk versus Omega. Fucking just print the money. You're buying that pay-per-view. You know you're buying that pay-per-view. The realism, the promos, the hype, the what the fuck is going to happen here. Who's going to say something off the cuff that they weren't supposed to say and really get hot. Are they going to throw some real fists in this match? You're in. Money printed. I hope it works out that way. I really do. But I, I just, I don't know that it can. I don't know if the egos will let it. Uh, It's done significant damage to AEW, and if the locker room was anything like Kenny Omega hinted at, you know, the the pizza guy walking into the burning building, that's a hell of a way to describe the AEW locker room atmosphere under CM Punk, and to say that it's kind of gone back to normal now that he's been gone, but then you got a Mark Henry saying he's not a locker room cancer, he's out there helping guys. Sounds like it's a clash of egos and personalities and cliques. Welcome to the world of professional wrestling, my friends. It was never going to stay just the elite's clique forever. AEW started that way. But it's not. You can't stay that way. Guys are going to come in. Guys are going to go out. And they're not all going to be the elite's friends. And now the elite's just pissy because it's, that's how it's looking. You know what I mean? They got a lot of their power taken away from Tony when he took over the reins of the booking, which is, you know, Booker of the Year. You know what I mean? It hasn't worked out too well since. But remember, uh, they had some more significant control in that whole Dark Order beatdown that ended Dynamite that got really low ratings. Tony Khan took it back after that. Now, a lot of these guys say they're just EVP in name only with maybe a couple tasks, but they don't have a lot of pull that people think they do. Tony took it away. They're going to get salty and move on. I think they're going to leave. I think all three of them are going to leave the company. It's probably a good idea to bring CM Punk back. It's probably a good idea to run a wrestling promotion. And that's not to say I don't have a beef with the elite. I don't have a beef with, with... Young Bucks and their Flippy Floppies, Melter Drivers, none of that. I don't care. Twinkle Toes fucking, I praised Kenny Omega's match with Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. My God, what a match. Better than anything he's done in AEW. He was a different wrestler in New Japan. Still some Twinkle Toes stuff in there, but I don't care. I, I, I I like a buffet in wrestling. I like it all. If it's good, it's good um but if they leave, you know, like you can't just only hire their friends. It, you can't go on that way and be a successful promotion. It's not to say CM Punk is the lord and savior of your company, but you need at, you need at least him if the bucks and Kenny are going to leave and you need to like Punk's not going to be the last guy that's not friends with the Bucks that's going to come in and be a big enough star and have a big enough ego to be able to push back. Hell, Jericho could get a hair up his ass with the Bucks and decide, you know what, fuck you guys. What's Tony going to do then? He's going to sit in the corner and jerk off like a cuck because it's all he can do all you can do about it there's nothing you can do so welcome to the world of professional wrestling it is what it is but you know what bucks omega teasing that they might be leaving getting pissy when something happens that's not with their friends you know what i mean it's not it's not sustainable long term let them go if they want to go bring back punk See what happens. And be a boss. You got them all under contract. Here's what we're going to do. I'm bringing you back. You're going to work with the Bucks. Shawn Michaels worked with Bret Hart. They hated each other. Many people have hated Matt Hardy and Edge. They worked with each other. Edge was banging Matt Hardy's girlfriend. You banged my girlfriend, bro. Your penis was in her mouth. And now I got to go out there behind my back I I kissed her and she's got your, your dick hairs on her breath and I have to and now I have to go out there and cooperate and make money with you I have to do a fucking match with you yes because it's great fucking business because people know the behind the scenes shit and they want to know what's gonna happen that's why there's so much money to be made here but I've ranted on it enough what are your thoughts should cm punk come back is he a locker room cancer is he not a locker room cancer and the young bucks and kenny omega are just a bunch of little sissies that don't want to play with anybody that's not their friends what do you think is going on here what do you think is the best play how do you see it let me know down in the comments below and i'm going to go ahead and move on to the next <laughs> Well, it didn't take Eric Bischoff very long to go right back to taking his shots at Tony Khan along with Dave Meltzer. He had a particular hair up his ass this week on 83 Weeks, where he went off on a tirade about this whole Booker of the Year award that Tony Khan got. Uh, This would have been for the year of 2022, There's lots to say about it, but I'll say it on the other side. Why don't we take a look at this clip from Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks, giving his thoughts on Tony Khan and what kind of Booker of the Year he really thinks he is and what are his thoughts on Dave Meltzer and his whole Wrestling Observer Awards. I'll give you a hint. Eric Bischoff doesn't hold back like he he ever fucking holds back. Check out this clip.
8: The... Wrestling Observer Newsletter and the people that vote within it are a collection of, it's basically a circle jerk. Okay. It's a masturbation experience for Dave Meltzer to be sitting in the middle of this small group of nerds like him and making these votes that are not based on anything closely related to any kind of subjective or objective reality it's just not you've got Dave Meltzer who is he creates this narrative within his little dirt sheet universe and gets like-minded weak-minded people to all vote and, 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 and agree with him and his perspective on things to suggest that Tony Khan was Booker of the Year, Promoter of the Year, when his company damn near imploded last year as a result of the piss poor decisions, immature decisions, and nonsensical decisions that Tony Khan has made last year is a joke. But the reason Dave does it is because of the proximity principle, right? Dave is close to the elite. He's close to the young bucks. You could he could say whatever he wants. And Tony, Tony can criticize Ariel Hawani for not being objective. Dave Meltzer, if he is not a paid um, supporter and promoter in his own way of AEW, probably should be. And now it's all blowing up in his face.
0: I think he's just telling it like it is on this one. I know Eric Bischoff does particularly have a hair up his ass about Tony Khan and Dave Meltzer. So he's going to be more prone to taking his shots at them anyway. But he's right. Booker of the year. When AEW damn near fucking, like... This was a terrible year for AEW. 2022 was a goddamn worst year in AEW history. The worst. The booking was the shits. The storytelling was the shits. Ever since Punk left. Ever since All Out, Brawl Out. That pay-per-view was their their height. Going into that, man. They had such build-up. Such hype. Dog collar match. All the great shit that they were doing. Building up to that all out. And then that shit happened. And AEW just took a giant shit since then. And they've dropped the ball with FTR. They dropped the ball with, you know, Soraya came in. She's not as anywhere near as big of a star as she was when she came in. She's had the life sucked out of her. Same with Ruby Soho. Soul, Soul, Sol, Solo, Soho. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho. Um, Brian Danielson, who having phenomenal matches. AEW's got the best matches you'll ever see on TV. A.W. has the best wrestling. WWE has the best storytelling. Uh, Pick your poison. Clearly right now, people are liking WWE. But, and and you can't say, oh, they had a head start anymore. Because now it's at the point where Bischoff was surpassing WWE uh, with Nitro by this far in. So... Tony Khan has not been able to come close to that 2 million mark. He can barely hold the 1 million mark. So obviously there is a ceiling for great wrestling matches. You have to tell stories. You have to have must-see. What's going to happen next? How is this going to play out? What's he going to do? Oh, shit. What's, what's going to happen next week now? Where is any of that? Who cares? Nobody cares. Then you got your fucking boss out there picking fights with Ariel Hawani like a little girl.
4: Oh, you're an unbiased journalist. Me.
0: He's horrible. The fucking just sit sat there and just 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 like a cuck in the corner, pleasuring himself to CM Punk bearing his entire company and his EVPs. Now his EVPs wanna leave, most likely. It's a big old fucking mess over there. Booker of the year. So I, I, I get it, man. I get it. And, and, and that's what I brought up last week, too, with Tony Khan to say, oh, Ariel's an unbiased journalist who's not even a wrestling journalist. He's a wrestling fan who uses his MMA journalist platform to sometimes talk to wrestlers because he can sneak it in. As we all would, right? Any wrestling nerd. If you get any if you're a wrestling nerd and you get any kind of interview show and you have any say at all on what kind of guests you get, you're gonna make a poll to get a wrestler on the show. Of course, duh. So Ariel loves doing his interviews with the wrestlers and he does them great, but that doesn't make him a wrestling journalist. Besides the point, though, he wants to talk about unbiased. Look at fucking Meltzer. Eric Bischoff's second point. Eric Bischoff fucking nailed it on the head Meltzer is in the pocket I don't think literally but maybe you know who knows if Meltzer was on the payroll to help just advise Tony Khan if nothing else when he was starting up AEW and maybe he's been kept on since Uh, Meltzer certainly doesn't do anything harm say anything harmful about AEW ever Booker of the Years of Stretch, and I know he didn't decide on this. I know this was a fan vote, but as Bischoff eloquently pointed out, or not so eloquently, his fans are an extension of... His readers are an extension of his writing. You know, they're getting their information from Meltzer, so when they go to vote on who's their favorite, when all they've been reading about all goddamn year long is how great Tony Khan is, of course they're going to make him the fucking... How do you look at the bloodline storyline that was told through most of the year of 2022? You know, it wasn't. It just didn't start in 2023. How are you gonna look at that and say that Triple H ain't Booker of the year? Like he fucking cares anyway. Was he gonna hang the fucking Wrestling Observer plaque on his wall up in the corporate WWE offices? Tony will. Tony, and look, I would too. I would too, but Triple H he's got he's got an image to to uphold. You know he's, he's, he's this is a corporation. You know what I mean? We're not not remarks for ourselves or a fucking dirt sheet writer award, but it belonged to Triple H. I think there's an inherent bias there, and I think this was AEW's absolute worst year. So when I'm a guy that's on here a lot of times defending Tony Khan's honor with Eric Bischoff's random hate-filled fucking spiel of the week about AEW or Tony Khan, you know, I'm the one here saying, hey, you know, not so fast. Let's let's think about it this way, for example, but I think he's 100% right here. You can't. Booker of the Year fucking Observer Award. So it's, it's all a big fucking joke. It's a joke. It really is a joke. And look, I'm a big AEW fan. It's my preferred brand. So I'm not even an AEW hater. I stopped watching WWE altogether. When Vince was just running it into the ground and then AEW came along and that was my jam. To this day, my favorite wrestlers are on AEW. To this day, my favorite wrestling matches are on AEW. But God if those storylines that they're telling, not even all the storylines. You know what I mean? Really just the bloodline storyline. I like what they're doing with the Judgment Day too, to a certain extent. You know, Rhea, I guess, and Dom's coming along. He's fun. But it's the bloodline storyline. And other, outside of that, meh. What do we got? Fucking Uncle Howdy? Ooh. You know? If that was the top shit going on, then people would be, like, probably more... You know, the Bloodlines really changing <clears throat> the impressions for AEW, two. Because not only did they take a big blow from All Out and the CM Punk Elite gimmick, but they also just... You know, they're the the hottest storyline in the business is on WWE TV right now. So those are those are huge blows to the ego of of AEW. And if they don't have a good enough competing storyline, shit, they're the fucking they're they're on the downtrend right now. But they were on the uptrend when Vince was running shit. And what look, this bloodline storyline is going to end at some point. And it's not like Triple H is batting a thousand here. Uncle Howdy, for example, you know. So it Omas and, and Brock Lesnar, though, um, I've seen reports that that's a Vince McMahon call or at least a Vince McMahon idea. Triple H has admitted that Vince pitches him ideas. I mean, you know what I mean? So he's not... He's not batting a 1,000 anyway, so AEW will have a chance to come back around and maybe catch up in in later years, but I'm also concerned about guys jumping ship. You lose the Elite, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega to the WWE. You already lost Cody. Then you lose MJF. Then you lose Britt Baker. Then you lose Jade Cargill. You lose Ricky Starks, you lose Will Hobbs, you lose Wardlow, you lose Darby Allen. Just poach, poach them all. FTR, they're gone. Clean you the fuck out. What do you got left? Mox, Mox, you gonna move. You're gonna move. Fucking, you're gonna move uh, Cesaro back into play again. Claudio, you're gonna bust out Claudio, dust him off. Where's he been? Booker of the year guy can't even use his fucking talent and all of his talent are worse off in AEW now than they were before star power wise are they having better matches are they having more creative freedom is that what's important to them that's what's important to brian danielson he's probably having fun over there but he's not as anywhere near the star that he was in wwe They have not maintained his star power. They have not maintained Saraya's star power. Nobody that comes over from the E maintains their star power. Adam Cole, baby. We'll see, though. We'll see. Time will tell. It'll be ups and downs. But I think in this one, Eric Bischoff got it right. I, for once, agree with Eric Bischoff. But what do you think? What are your thoughts? Were you one of those fuckers who voted for Tony Khan to be Booker of the Year and why? What booking? What what was what was good? What'd you like about that? The acclaim to be in the tag champs? That was pretty cool. What else? What else do they got going on? They even fucked that up. Drop the belts, the guns. Claimed to probably win it back at Revolution. I think that's where they're going with it, but that was a bad move too. It's just bonehead move after bonehead move after bonehead move. Let's get a let's get a legitimate booking team in there. Let's do that. Tony Khan can be the final decision maker. Let's have other people come up with some storylines here. You know what? Tony likes googling in his little doodling in his little notebook. Googling and doodling probably. Put him, but he likes writing his little shit in his notebook. He can be a matchmaker, and then he can pass his little match. Line up off to a creative team to build the stories out around that fucking frame. Pass it back to Tony. And Tony can go, I like that. I like that. I like that. Let's change that. What else you got there? Put a fucking creative team around you. I know some of these guys are coming up with their own shit. Jericho and such. But a lot of other guys aren't. And I think that's why they're fucking they're, they're left in the dust. And... There's no proper pushes. There's no proper video packages promoting characters, building storylines. There's no replays that you know. There's no week to week. God, I can't wait to see what happens next. That's it, y'all. I'll keep it short and sweet. This was a longer episode. At least it feels like it. Once I get it edited down, maybe it won't be so big. But I've if, looks. The recording time here's significantly higher than it normally is, so there you go, nice long show for you, probably take me a little while to get it up, been uh, been, uh, busy with the ladies a little bit in my free time lately, so... (laughs) haven't had the time to work on the thumbnails and stuff as much, but I mean, I'm getting it up on Sunday. It's fine. You're fine. You're getting your show on Sunday. It will be delivered to you in your lap well before Revolution on Sunday. I hope you enjoy Revolution. I hope you have fun with that show. Uh, It's always fun. AEW pay-per-views are fun no matter what. Uh, Not a lot of hype going into this one. Uh, I think it'll probably be a low buy rate, to be honest with you, too, which will be a perfect reflection Of the Booker of the Year's fucking shit year that he's had. But uh, maybe that'll be a wake up call from him when he looks at his fucking pay per view buy rates. But it'll be a fun show. I'm sure the matches will still be great. And I'm going to be sitting down, snacking on my snacks with my feet up, having some fun, watching some wrestling. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed these clips uh thank you for hanging out with me sticking it out please call to action here guys come on uh let's help me grow if you like the show if you're feeling what i'm doing here if you're like yeah this show's legit more people should know about this help a brother out just share a clip on your fucking on your thing thing whatever your your social social ditty share a clip on that tell a friend Tell a fucking phone. Tell tell whoever. Tell your grandma. I don't care. Just help a brother out. Spread the word. I am on a mission to be monetized this year. That's a 1,000 subscribers, and I'm there. I should be good to go with that. Get some sponsorships in. Create more content for you guys. I have a lot of stuff I want to do. My time has been so short. Doing overtime at the shoot job, brother, brother. Um. Like I said, chasing a little tail, but I, you know, I gotta live my life too. You know, I'm um, doing everything I can, and uh, oh, I'm writing a book still. I'm writing, a, I'm on another book now. You know, those of you who have been listening have known that I wrote the book, "The Gathering: A Bold Journey into the Belly of the Juggalo Underworld," that I plug on Amazon, Audible, and Kindle from time to time. It's you know, it's got a five star rating. It's it is what it is. Um. <laughs> but I'm writing another book. So that's taken up a lot of my time. Um, but mostly that's kind of just eaten up into some of my bonus time here on this uh, channel. You know, I was doing a lot of the reaction videos and stuff like that, which I intend to keep doing. I'm just like, I, you know, I, I am putting a concerted effort into getting a book finished so that I can shop it around and try to get it published so that's the game plan there i appreciate you guys help a brother out share me around like follow and subscribe on youtube if you're not on there on the podcast app if you're listening there at seth grimes media facebook tiktok and twitter i'm most active on facebook lately though um that's where you can find a lot of my random musings and such but that's it i'll leave you there Thank you so much for hanging out. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast.